0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome into another holiday edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle on 105.3 The Fan, joined by two-time Stanley Cup champion and Dallas stars, can I call you a legend, Craig Ludwig. What's going on, Luds? How are you? You got your Christmas shopping done?
2: I haven't done a damn
1: thing. Oh, no. no.
2: I tried to order a couple things online, and my thing keeps spinning around. So that'll be my excuse this year. So, um, <laughs> like I said, I I, I don't have uh, or people do not have high expectations of me, so it's pretty easy for me.
1: Okay.
2: A family dinner the other night at the Gaylord with the whole Christmas, you know, <clears throat> all that hoopla. So got that out of the way. And, nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. My big th- my big thing is I make a prime rib for them so we get a we get together on Christmas Eve and there'll be a prime rib and yeah I get the miller light truck that comes rolling around the corner at a certain time and so everybody's happy
1: and how is your prime rib game
2: my prime rib is uh well don't take it from me you'd have to take it from the ones that get it every year so I have I have to live up to it let's just put it that way so Ooh. it it takes me quite a while, but, um, you make popovers you know. with
1: it. A what, a what popovers. You don't know what a, what a popover is. What's a popover. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a roll that has like air in it.
2: Uh, I don't know anything about popovers. Oh, Okay. No, this is just my, my, my boy, my, all my kids are, they're, they're big, they're, they're big, uh, you know, they do their meats on smokers. So, you know, they're, they're into it. So they're, They're like, uh, they they critique everything I do, but every year they want the same thing over again. So I, you know, I guess it just means you're doing something right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Second thing before we talk hockey, turned 50 yesterday. Weird feeling. And uh, yeah, you know, I was expecting the Ludwig text. Hey, happy birthday, buddy. Way to go. Let's party. Let's go out.
2: You must have me blocked because I I sent it at midnight the night before.
1: <laughs> you Although you not. probably go to bed,
2: around, you probably go to bed around seven. And you put your phone on silent, I suppose. No,
1: no, I. You know what? I didn't. And I actually got a call at midnight from somebody, and I was like, Ah, oh. I,
2: I, I, I'm not even gonna go
1: <laughs> You can We're not on the radio. <laughs> How much did it cost?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had to call the nine hundred numbers. I didn't know they called you.
1: <laughs> nah, man. Once you give them their credit card, they just run it and then roll. Well, I figured
2: yours is just. I figured they just got it on file.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, you know, it's like bills. Once it goes on your credit card, it's like recurring monthly. You know.
2: Yeah, you probably get a gift every month too. You're like a preferred customer, don't you get like a gift? Yeah, and special
1: not- bonus points.
2: Yeah, I know. Well. Wow. None of that shocks any any of our, our listeners right now. All six of them.
1: Ah, boo, boo. All right. So last week on the podcast, um, you asked me, um, about a star storyline, and you talked about a star storyline. And today, one week later, both have come to fruition. Mine being the stars roller coaster ride, like being at Six Flags where any kind of momentum is just crushed and it's a like big winning streak followed by a losing streak. And yours, which is more importantly, was the goaltending distraction. And wow, what a week as far as stars moves when it comes to netminding.
2: Yeah, but also, um, I mean, I, I, I will take the high road. I mean, <clears throat> how about Jake Ottinger? Um, Love him. Yeah, there, I, I think it's getting fairly clear um, to all the right people that matter um you know, the direction that they need to go. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to the distraction thing and and you know and again, I still think there is a bit of a distraction, to be honest with you, because um the guy Adobe's only what three and a half hours away. so yes. you know, and good on him because I think that that has happened to other players in the past where they say, no, I'm not going and, he's not that kind of guy. I've said this, you know, numerous times, he's a great teammate. And and I believe that those, you know, 24 guys in the room all care about him too. And, um, you know, is he going to be bad? I I just, my whole thing is about the two guys that that looks like it's, it's pretty clear now with, you know, and and again, first off, we should say congratulations to the Ben Bishop. Amazing, he had a hell of a career. Um, when he's healthy, he's a, top five goalie in this league. And unfortunately for Ben, you know, things that are out of your control when it comes to, to injuries and some of the injuries that he's had, um, it, it really, it, it sucks not being able to go out on your own terms. And when your health has to uh, determine when your career over, uh, you know, to be frank, is a shitty way to have to go, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so, but, when he was, when he was healthy, he was really, really good. And unfortunately for him, it, it just occurred too many times. It, 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 it happened at the wrong time of the season, um, for him. So, but most of all, give him so much credit for doing whatever he could possibly do to try to get back. I mean, I, I think that over the last year plus whatever it was the time frame was he tried numerous times to come back and i I'm, I'm sure he explored every option um that he had and as a matter of fact uh i know that he put a call into to former dallas star played here for a couple of years mark mathot um they had some similarities in the in the knee department and ben even reached out to him to see what he did and you know how did it feel and how did it help and when you hear things like that you know that the player attempted this isn't one of these i'm retiring and and you know i got still got some money coming that kind of thing this guy <clears throat> did everything he possibly could to return to this team and i and i think i'm sure you heard it and when you listen to his his uh, press conference announcing that he was done Um, you can tell how much he cared about this group of guys and this organization. So good on the organization, good on the players and good on Ben to doing everything that he possibly could to hold up his end of the deal and his end of the contract. It just, it just wasn't in the cards for him. But but that being said long, long, I mean, what did he play 600 games or no 400 games? I think it was 413 games. So, you know, and, and, and player life, I I think sometimes they look at that as, you know, two, so. And had um, to
1: work his way up wasn't yeah. an easy road. It wasn't like guaranteed play for the Texas tornado with my kids. Yeah, absolutely.
2: A national championship. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. Famous for that fighter. It's fight at center ice. I was at that game yep. and yep. then went to university of Maine and solidified himself as a really good college net minder. But then, you know, I don't want to say the term toiled would be wrong, but spent a number of years in the, in the minors before, you know, really catching his big break. Um, and then being traded to Ottawa, and that's began the flourish. And he really, you know, came to the forefront with Tampa. And then some guy named Andre Vasilevsky came, and it was kind of an interesting comparison with, you know, let's not call Jake Ottinger the next Vasilevsky, Luds, But at the same time, I mean, I think one of the things that I'll remember Ben Bishop for is the mentorship in that you never heard him say, this is my job. And I felt as though he did a good job taking care of those young goalies like some of those goalies when he were younger took care of him.
2: Well, and that's – all you have to do is listen to what Jake Ottinger had to say about him. I mean, he said when he gets to be a good goaltender, he wants to be like Ben Bishop. Yeah. So, you know, that that's saying a lot right there from, from a kid that um, <clears throat> the organization, the fans, I think we all expect – big things coming from from Ottinger and and to be able to say that about Ben and it says more about the person you know and that's what we're talking about it's it's about the way that Ben you know was a teammate and when you you know when you're you're a younger goaltender or you're the older goaltender and you see a young kid coming in like an Ottinger um it's not always you don't always see these these high end goaltenders go out of their way to help help them get better you know and and you can you can go right back to Vasilevsky you mentioned him and he will have the same kind of comments about Ben Bishop when he was in Tampa Bay and you know they they just Ben Ben I'm sure there were other reasons than just one but you know Ben was pretty much uh expendable I should say from Tampa because of what they saw in Vasilevsky and and you know calling it for what it is, it, it was, it was a good, good move, obviously. I mean, they've won a couple of Stanley cups. They've got the best goaltender on the planet and you know, that worked out well for Tampa. So, and, and, you know, Ben was hurt when he was in Tampa too. I mean, it, it was the same thing. I, I talked to Cooper about it. They had coach for Tampa and it, it was just unfortunate. You know, when that time of the season would roll around, you know, something would pop up and, and I, and I heard somebody else the other day talk about it. Like, you know, for big goaltenders, that happens more often than not. You know, they're they're just. I mean, what has been six six, and you know the way that they move in the crease, and you know, so there's a little more wear and tear on those guys. Um, and the one thing that probably everybody knows about, but that you don't talk a ton about now that he's done, was the way that he handled the puck. I mean, that guy was like, I, I wish I could have played with a guy like that. You know, I mean, he he's very similar to Marty Turco. I mean, yeah. you don't even you don't need to go back and even touch the puck. Right. As a defenseman comes back as far as the top of the circles. And and I would, and there'd be more, if I was playing with a guy like Ben, I would have given Ben the puck and say, listen, you move it up the ice because you can actually make a better pass than I could. So, you know, he, he had, the toolbox was there. The tools were in the toolbox. It's just, you know, the health didn't cooperate, you know, all the time. Like, like, most importantly, he would want it to.
1: Yeah. Really good article in the Tampa Bay times. With the headline, here's hoping Ben Bishop gets the farewell he deserves in Tampa Bay. So that kind of shows the character of Ben Bishop when he hasn't been with them for a number of years, but um, was their all-time leader in goaltender wins. And uh, hopefully he does get the proper salute that he received from the Dallas Stars fan base last night. And back to Hudobin, Luds, I think it was a really good move. And, you know, I don't know this, but I followed Anton Hudobin's career and covered him with the Houston Arrows. Um, when I was in Houston, and Hudobin's career, you know, took a number of years. He matured late as far as getting to the NHL and staying in the NHL, and I actually think that will help him in this transition, but I think it further, you know, if it's him or someone else telling him, I think it's good for the player because if he puts up really good stats in the AHL, I think there are going to be numerous teams that want a teammate and a player like him.
2: Yeah, and I agree. And I don't. I think there's a few teams, like I mentioned last time, uh, that we did this. Um, there's a couple teams that I don't understand why he's not there right now. Yeah, from both sides, I can understand it from Dallas. You know, again, you don't, you don't want moves that you make, whether it's a goalie, player, whatever it may be, to come back and haunt you. And and what I mean by that is you know, at that time of the year, and, and that's playoff time, um, but there's a couple teams around the league that are in need for a goaltender, and um, I, I just, and and again, for Dallas, you know, and again, in, in this league, um, cap space is king, you know, and to be able to, I mean, Dallas is paying a million dollars for him anyways, I mean, it, when you send him down to the minors, he's, they're on the hook still for a million, so yep. they're, they're paying that anyways, but I mean, if you can if, if you can move him, though, um, you know, I think actually I think you'd get like a million six for him. But I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, you're in a you're in a playoff spot and you need a depth player. And, um, you know, you look at it, there's some some player out there that's making, you know, three million dollars a year, let's just say. And you get within a month of playoff time, um, whatever he has left old to him, it could be, you know, seven, eight hundred a uh, one point five million or something like that. There it is for you. You know, so, um, but again, I, I'm sure that you have to be careful where you move them, and and then you know, and I think that that's what happens is is that, you know, as far as Jim Nell goes, he he knows there's a couple teams out there that are looking for a goaltender, and maybe they want, maybe he's you know wants to use it as the right kind of uh, dangle the right carrot, you know, maybe he'll get a little extra form, maybe he gets a third or fourth round pick or something like that form. So I, I'm sure they've gone over all the scenarios and what teams are looking and and things like that. So, you know, hopefully, you know, and I, and I would think that the players in the room are hoping that, that he gets picked up. I think they want, they want uh, Doby to be with an NHL team where he belongs and be able to play. And, and I think that, you know, now they don't, they don't want to beat him. But then again, you know, the other side of the coin of that is like, you know, Dobie, Dobie's claim to fame with Dallas fans and everything. And, the, and it should be, was that run to the playoffs. Right. I mean, Ben wasn't healthy and, And Dobie was good enough to, to get him to the finals, you know, as his first kick at the can of being a starter. And so, but on the other side of the coin, he didn't, his, his goals against wasn't like a one eight or two one, you know, Dallas was scoring some goals for him. And there were a lot of games that they came back and won and, but credit, you know, for him to to do what he needed to do to get the wins. So, but on the other side of that coin is Dallas knows his weaknesses too. So, You know, you'd have to be, you'd think about that also, if you're that team, you know, I don't see him going anywhere in the central, but he could go in the Pacific. I mentioned Edmonton last week. I mean, you know, they're in a tailspin right now and there were, there was even a goal last night uh, against Toronto that, that shouldn't have went in and the goaltender that they've got in in net right now. And so I would have to think that they've made some phone calls, but anyway, um, that's all part of the business of the guys that get paid all the big bucks to make the right decisions.
1: You're listening to the Spits and Suds podcast. I'm Gavin Spittle, along with Craig Ludwig. Happy holidays, everybody! Last night began. It's hard to believe. When I was looking at this, and I'm double and triple checking, it's ten straight games against division opponents. That's that's absolutely amazing. When you look at the Stars' upcoming schedule, it started last night with the Blues. They go Blues, Blues, Blackhawks, Wild, Jets, Blackhawks, Predators, Avs, Avs, Coyotes and then they face the Panthers.
2: I think I left you with that last week. It it was the upcoming week or two, and this stretch, that was going to put either a dent in their armor or going to strengthen their armor. And, you know, you look at, when I look at things, I mean, just look at what they've done at home. I mean, it's, it's all about their road record. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, you know, their record at home is nine, three. No, what is it? Is it nine and three? I think it's nine and three, nine, three and one on the road. They're four, eight and one. Now you're talking a difference of a points percentage at home. They're collecting about 73% of the points on the road. That's about 35%. And, you know, at, at worst, what you hope for is you can play 500 going on the road. And then I, and then you sit there and you kind of like, why, why is that happening? Like, why, how can a team be night and day home and away? Because the buildings are all the same. Now there, there used to be times when, you know, I, I mentioned Boston and Chicago and Quebec city at the time, those buildings were hard to play in for opponents. I mean, their, their teams were built around them. and now, now they're all cookie cutters. So it's not the building. You don't, you tune the fans out. It's the same team you played at home, so why is it difficult? And I and the only thing that keeps coming back, the only change really for me. I mean, there's other change, but the biggest change is literally the biggest change. It's the last you get the last change on uh, as a home team, so it has to do with matchups. And right now, I, I would say when everybody's healthy for the Dallas team at home, we would say that. Hence, Pavelski, and Robertson as their top line. I mean, they just – it seems like they can't do anything wrong, or at least they haven't been going right. back to last year. They've been yeah. a great line. Now all of a sudden you get on the road and you look at some of the – if you look at some of the differences in, in just in stat-wise, like so Rupe is a plus 11 at home. He's minus seven on the road. Robertson plus nine at home, minus two at home or on the road. Pavelski's a plus nine and a minus four on the road. So Rupé has got 10 goals at home and one on the road. The other two guys are pretty even five and three and five and four, but why is it different? And to me, it can be the last change. And again, we're talking about, Hints Roberts and not, I don't, I don't look at Joe in this scenario, but you know, have they had a lot of years of having to go up against the guys that the opponent wants them to go up against? I mean, there's a reason they want whatever it may be Ryan O'Reilly on the road against them all the time, because you see it at home, you see the changes. And if you, if you pay attention to the changes, you're going, Oh, they don't want him playing against O'Reilly or they don't want him playing against Kopitar. Nobody wants to play against Bergeron in Boston, but I'm just saying that to me, that's maybe that's something. And again, they're young players. Robertson is what, 22 or something like that. And even though Hinton's got some numbers, he's only been in the league really playing for three years or so. And I think there's a learning curve of how to play against the players that are, are paid to shut good players down. Otherwise, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, they're, they're, the, the, the one of the and the other problem is for the Dallas Stars is their five on five goals. I mean, it's they're they're I think they're 31st in the league, five on five, uh, on the road at home. They're like in the 20s as far as five on five goals. So, when <clears throat> that's a team thing, though, you know, that and that's where depth comes into play. I mean, you can't be getting everything from. Guys.
1: Well, that I, that that's a great point, Craig. And I was just about to bring that up. You know, when Sagan, Ben, and Radulov were the hot line, we talked about they need depth scoring. I just feel as though now you have a hot line um, with the you know two youngsters and Robertson, Robertson, and Hintz with the vet in Pavelski. But then where's the other depth coming from? So it always seems as though depth scoring is an issue with this team. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but if you had that depth scoring, teams couldn't hyper concentrate on that one line.
2: No, and that's what and I think that's why, <clears throat> that's why when you go on the road, you would see more often than not the big three get split up. You know, you may have Jamie and Rad's play together, and then Tyler plays on another line, or or some combination of that. <clears throat> Sorry, and then when, then when they need something momentum or you know some uh, let's spend some more offensive time in there and you know we're, we're spending too much time in our own zone and we need to be able to cycle the puck and kind of wear them down now all of a sudden you put them three guys back together at home you can keep them together if you want because you're getting away from a certain matchup and and so but and that and again that's part of you know putting a team together and, and that's this is nothing new with the Dallas Stars every team knows that is that you have to have depth throughout your lineup and, you know, there, there, there's a reason that there's teams that are kind of consistently in the top 10 of the NHL all the time is because they, you know, again, I, Boston's got that Bergeron online, you know, and Marshall, when they're, when they're healthy, now there's guys out with COVID. Now we're, we're back into this whole thing going on now too. So, um, <laughs> but everybody's got to go through it. So, you know, I, I don't, you know, you went out in the summer. And you, you made some moves and, you know, and you picked up guys like Michael, Michael Roffel, and you picked up uh, Luke, uh, Glenn Glenn yep. you know, yep. and, and those are good depth guys. Those are, but those aren't top six guys. Those are guys that, that are role players. You know, they kill penalties and they've done a great job. Both of them have. Yeah, they have. And, you know, so, and a lot of that has to do with the, the salary cap though, too. You know, there's only certain things you can afford when you can only spend 82
1: million or whatever well, it is. Well, you're right, Craig, and I will bring this up, and please disagree with me. I am highly concerned with Radic Foxa. I didn't like the contract. I think when you go plus $3 million, as far as a salary cap slot, I need more production, and I don't view him as a shut-down defensive forward. Right now on the ice, he's a minus nine, nine points in 26 games. It, it's just not happening.
2: No. And, and you come out of games and, you know, if you if you just sit there after a game and a lot of people, Oh yeah, man, that guy I noticed that guy. I noticed that guy. I noticed that guy. Now, you know, I, I think he was, he was here as that, that shutdown guy. And I've said this before is when you're, and I always go back to Carbo's line or you can, and again, Current day, you can you can talk about Ryan O'Reilly in, in St. Louis. Although he's on both sides of the puck, he's on yep. penalty kill, power play. But but his whole career started out where he's going up against and matching players because he was so good at, and he still is so good on faceoffs. Guy Carboneau, you know, we're going back in time now, right? But but Carbo's line, and everybody knew it was Carbo's line was a shutdown line. But you had a backup shutdown line, just like you had a backup scoring line. You know, you had a secondary scoring line, so you get on the road and you were able to counter some of that. And, and I think that's where that's where Raddock came in. he was going to be that guy and I would always look and I said this before I look at that third line that shutdown line as a second line. I mean they're just as important as the guys that score the goals because they're keeping the other ones from scoring the goals yep. and, and I think that's where Radic came into play. He was going to be that big six foot three centerman be able to take face offs and, and win win the draws in all areas of the ice kill penalties
1: start with the puck
2: yeah uh, physical enough.
1: Kind of a comparison is a healthy Martin Hansel,
2: maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's a. I never understood why we did that. Had, yeah, I, exactly. I go back and look at that thing. <laughs> sorry. He had, more game, he had more games on the IR than he had. played. did. I was like, what? <clears throat> like, <laughs> I mean, anybody do homework here? So, anyway, <laughs> um you know, <clears throat> that, that's that's a big difference. Alice really, Hemsky. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's the first thing I looked at. Is I'm like, man, I. I know this Hansel guy, but I, I, I seem to remember him for something not so good. And like, it's always not playing, making 4 million a year or whatever it was. And, you know, he spent, he, he played on average 60% of the games. Yeah. So that didn't make sense to me. <clears throat> That's in his career. So, I mean, and again, it's one thing if they're in their second or third year, but when you're 10th or 11th year, I mean, right. it's kind of where you are. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting healthier as you're getting older, unfortunately. Um, if you're broke as a 23 year old, and you got, you know, this wrong with you, this wrong with you, you're probably going to have the same little things, but maybe, you know, compounded a little older. So, um, you know, but again, I I don't, I don't, this, this team gives up what, two and a half goals a game. So, uh, and that's what, that's what Raddick is. So I, I'm not going to dump on him. Um, I just think sometimes, when players get paid certain amounts of money they they may think that they're held to a higher standard and their points have to reflect how much they get paid and i don't i don't believe in that because i believe in that management and the coaches who are all together in decisions um see a certain player being in a very important role and 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 a lot of that salary that they're getting paid is that's what the market value is for the player. You know, they, that they're going to give that to them. And if St. Louis wanted to give it to them or Chicago wanted to give it to them or Colorado wanted to give it to them, teams in your own division, you don't want them playing against you. You know, if everybody's thinking that way right. and this kind of player is going to be. So, um, you know, but I, I just, listen, when things like this are going wrong, first it's leadership. You know, they're, they're, you, your leaders have to, you know, and again, well, it's only a week. It's been a week since they won eight games in a row, or whatever, right? Yeah, it's
1: it's true. It's just, but what I go back to is just—I just don't think you can be a a playoff contender unless you, I guess, the roller coaster is going up. But it's just—I just want more consistency out of the team. I mean, you know, it just—I look at the standings, and as you mentioned last week, and we just talked about it. You know, these next ten games, beginning last night, are crucial. If, you know, if you drop some of these games, you have two against Chicago, you should sweep them. Um, And, I mean, you know, they can be a tough out. I mean, all these teams are tough out. I mean, Arizona plays a style that is going to limit you to one or two goals a game. But, you know, at the same time, it's like you got Winnipeg coming up. You got Minnesota coming up. You got Colorado coming up. And then when you're done with that, you got Florida. I mean, you have to take advantage of these division games.
2: Well, I mean, they're four-point games. Yeah. And you know, that's everybody's like, what do you mean they're four point games? It's like, some whoever wins that game is getting two, and the other team's getting zero. And when you have to, especially where you're at and you're looking up, like you, you're, you're seeing their taillights, it's always nice to look in your rearview mirror and see the headlights, right? Mm-hmm. But and and you know, this you there used to be, um, there was the time, and, and it's still around you know, they kind of looked at the marker of Thanksgiving America. They we always say American Thanksgiving and everybody listening going, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, Canadian Thanksgiving is, you know, a week earlier. So, but at Thanksgiving, the teams that were within four points of a playoff spot on either side of that line are generally the teams that are going to be in the hunt with the last two to three weeks going in the season. If you're not, and you're, you know, below that line, you got to, it, it's, I don't, and again, analytically, it works out. They don't make those, they don't make them. And there, there's a there's a website, and I think it's called Sports Club Stats or Stat Club, whatever it's called. But Dallas is right now, today, 35% chance of making the playoffs. And the the bad news is, you know, again, it's, uh, I, I really, I truly believe, I think, well, that doesn't mean truly believe and I think, doesn't sound right, Um but I think that there can be five teams out of this division that can make it to the playoffs. I think it's going to be five and three. Um, but the problem with that is, is where you are with Dallas, is you're looking at, you know, Winnipeg. And I, I believe in Winnipeg. St. Louis, to me, has been the most impressive team in, in this division because of the COVID people that they had on the list. The injuries that they have—I mean, you go up and down that that roster last night, and you're like, "Well, who the hell is this guy?" Right. Like, where did he come from?
1: But yet, if you took the names off the back, I thought Saint Louis oh, played incredibly hard last night.
2: Absolutely, and, and that—that's why to, if they if this team makes the playoffs with everything that they started with, yeah, I, I'm throwing Craig Berube's name in that coach of the year. You know, a lot of people Great are talking point. about Pittsburgh. But I, I think that with the number of key people that have been out of this lineup that that they've lost and and even you know the moves that they made since they won the Stanley Cup. Like, they, you know I talked to Hitch before the season started and I, I told him, I said, man, you guys need a couple more defensemen. And he said, yeah, we do. We need two defensemen. They, they believe in their forward group and when they were all healthy and they thought, and I'm even said this one time, I think in an interview, I heard him say that, like they thought that they could, they would be able to carry them you know, make up for what they don't have on the back end. And <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, the way that they play, there's a, there's an organization that doesn't steer away from their philosophy.
1: Right. And, and,
2: this, and you can tell this is a team that, and they do have big forwards and they play a heavy game, but it is direct. It is, you get to the center line and if you don't have 100% that you can make a pass cross ice or whatever, it's going in. It's going in deep and they're going to forecheck. And they're going to work you and they're going to work you and they're going to work you. When they get pucks, get to the point, you will see bodies at the front of the net. And, you know, and that, and there were a couple goals last night. Uh, I don't get it. But, and and again, you can't really complain about it because this is a team that went to the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago and they played the same way. But on two goals against last night, we have forwards standing in front of our goaltender and our defensemen are out at the blue line. Yeah. Or at least at the top of the circle. So that's kind of tells you they're playing some kind of a man on man system. No, and I'm not a fan of that. But again, they just they just got somebody's gonna say, hey, dude, they just got done winning eight in a row. You're right. They did. And I, you know, <clears throat> but anyway. I, I um, mean I
1: hated that one goal, Craig, where it looked like it glanced off Caro and I'm like, Are you trying to make the save? It's it was just I mean, you just blocked Ottinger, and then it deflected off of you. And I know those things happen. I just hated the position. And I mean, very well, tough that's, for see And to see, that's that what it
2: is. I mean, you're going to see lots of goals go off of defensemen, whether it's but that just means that they're they're battling in front of the net when there's no, when there's not an opponent there. Right. They're not there. Right. And so credit to the the opposing team because they're there. Somebody's in front of the net. It's not a one and done. They get second and third whacks at it all the time. But when I see when I see goals go in. And I see the numbers of players and I see a 64 instead of a 20 or a four or a three. Exactly. Or, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and I'm like, well, what the hell was that? Like, where were the defensemen? And then I go back and I watch it and I see number 20 is out at the blue line forcing that guy and number fours halfway back to the net coming off of the wall up by the top of the circle. So it tells me something happened prior to that. Like, why were you out there? But again, I don't, I don't, because again, you know, they're, they were winning games playing the same way. So there, there's a, every team has a philosophy that they believe in. And as long as you're winning, you play with that philosophy, you know, when things don't go your way, you know, then you got to start tweaking it. So, but like I said, you know, the the biggest concern that I have when I said say that about the five teams making it out of the central is, you know, Vegas is becoming Vegas. Colorado mm-hmm. is becoming Colorado in the central and so that's where the concern is for me is that the teams that you expected to be good teams this year, they're getting there, they're getting it together. And so now all of a sudden from a wild card standpoint today, and you know, we've only, the Dallas only played 26 games. So, you know, so there you got, you got what 50 plus games left, but right now, now you've got to start climbing over the top of one, two, three teams or something like that. That's just to get to the wild card. Now, I don't know if Nashville is going to hang around They're They're playing well. There's no question. They're doing something right. They're getting the goaltending Minnesota who's sitting at the top. They're not going away. They're for real. They are St. For real. Louis right now today. They're sitting in second place in central. That one blows me away. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's credit to the coaching staff, to the players that they have there and Colorado, Colorado, all they do is score, score any five, six, seven goals a game right now. So they seem to be getting guys healthy and um, starting to climb the ladder. So, you know, you look at that and you kind of go, well, you know, those three teams are probably going to be there, but there's also that Winnipeg team. I I just think Winnipeg is good and they're not playing as well as I thought they would. Um, so, you know, I, and, you know, and then in the Pacific, when you look at the three spots, you got Anaheim, Calgary, and Vegas there. Vegas, we know is going to be there. I think that's pretty safe to say that they're going to be there. Edmonton's fallen off a cliff and, you know, Jesus, a week ago, I think they were sitting at the top of the division. Now they're not even in a spot. They're not even a wild card. Oh no, I think they are in a wild card spot, but they need goaltend. That's why I'd go back to who Dolman if I'm them. Um anyway, in Calgary, they're just hard to play against every night. Yeah. They got a guy, they got a guy coaching that team that knows how to win Stanley Cups. And he, he's got a he's got a recipe that he wants to play. And he's 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 proved that it works. I mean, they're what 15 and seven, 15, 7, and six. So anyway, great video um,
1: the other night of Lucic pushing. I I think it was Svechnikov into the Calgary bench. Like the the door was open, he kicked, and then he gets mad at him for being on the Calgary bench.
2: (laughs) But but I mean, and you're talking about that. That's that's what happens when a new coach comes in,
1: yeah. And especially a coach
2: that loves that that style, that kind of player. I mean, Lucic has got something like five or six, seven goals already. Yeah. He's a completely different player There, I mean, they, the people in Calgary were going, well, how the hell are we going to get rid of this guy? Right. You know, he's making six, 7 million and he can't move. And now all of a sudden he plays in a system that, you know, plays in a system and that, that is conducive to the way that he plays. And now he's, he's a, you know, he's a, he's an important player on that team. So um,
1: anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think you're right. I did want to ask you because one of the things I love doing this podcast and Um, For those of you listening, hope you enjoy it as well as that, you know, perspective you bring um, with your contacts. And, you know, you keep mentioning the St. Louis coaching staff. You mentioned it briefly, but does Steve Ott want to be a head coach in the NHL?
2: You know what? I I don't know. I've never even spoke, well, I have spoken to him. Um, But I, in my opinion, he's a, he's a perfect assistant coach and You know, I've talked about this before. I had like one of the best ones in Rick Wilson while he was here in Dallas and, and Otter can relate so well to the players and Otter has that kind of a personality that, that, and again, just like Rick Bonas was when he was an assistant coach, players love those guys because they, they can relate to the, all these different situations that you've played in. And, and so a head coach has got to be a little bit more firm, right? He's got to be able, he's the guy in charge. He's got to be able to drop the hammer on guys and, and things like that. And they don't care. They just, they just want results. But, but what they don't understand sometimes there are certain ways that you, you just don't push the same button with every player. And, and I think Otter will have the temperature of not that Barube doesn't because he was an assistant before he was the head. Um, but now when you be, you know, you become that head head guy, things have to change a little bit and you got to make the tough decisions. And but then when those tough decisions are made and you're part of you're a casualty or your minutes are you know dropped or you, you went from the first line to the third line and your role may have changed a little bit. Steve Ott is the kind of guy that can say, listen, dude, here, here's here's who I was when I was in junior. I was this touted guy and I came out and and then I had to change my game. And but here's what you got to do. And I think he can relay these guys that have played the game like he has. They can relay these messages to especially the younger kids, because the younger kids come now and they think, you know, I'm the shit. And and I went in the first round and went in the second round. I should be the top guy. And, you know, talk about that stuff. Talk to Tyler Sagan today. How's he feeling? You know what I mean? Like Tyler played 15 minutes last night, by the way. So um, anyway, uh, and maybe, you know, Rick Bonus didn't have the most complimentary speech last night and so without naming names he named names yeah and talks about top guys and top guys aren't getting it done and when you hear the word top you know they know who they are um so uh, but no i i I think steve ott is is in the perfect spot and a lot of times you know what you play long enough and you see what the hours that all the coaches have to put in and the decisions that they have to make and and you can tell when they don't like making some decisions, but it's, it's, it's something you just like, I don't want to go through that. You know what I mean? I know what it's like. I know how players feel when this happens. I would rather be the guy that can kind of go talk to them. And man, I understand where you are And here. Here's here's maybe something that I can help you, you can help you understand. And But more importantly, here's how you're going to get back to where you want to be. And, and some of those conversations don't always happen with head coaches. So I think Otter's in a perfect spot. He he's a positive guy. Um, and, and I, I just think he he he's full of energy. Um, and you know, you watch him uh at, like after practices. It, the, the shitty part of being a head coach is when you got a bad guys after practice, you hate it, especially when you because most assistant coaches listen, they weren't superstars. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you don't see a lot of superstars ever coaching because they're like, No, yeah. I I don't need to do that. First off, they don't need to, you know, they, they got enough money, but but the the assistants. You got a bad guys after practice, you know, and, and and you and you were one of the guys got bagged. You know how much you hated it, and and so you're skating them and skating them, and they, you know they they haven't played in you know a week, and you got to skate them, and so you know. But you watch when Otter goes through those things, he skates with them, and he skates with them, you know, for for part of it, and then he he sits there and he talks to him for a little bit, and so I just think the the role of those guys are are, are is so important, um, just to the to the, Camaraderie of the group, you know, because you you can't have a guy disgruntled walking around in your group, and because the group sees it and they know it and they know what you're going through, and then they just kind of leave him alone. Like you don't want to ruffle his feathers. He's always in a, I mean, he's in a bad mood anyways, and so you just kind of leave him alone, which is the worst the worst thing you can do. And, and so that's where I think a guy like like Otter would would jump in there and grab a guy and say, "Listen, let's go grab a beer after practice and let's go talk about it," you know, or whatever, however he
1: decides to handle it. I just feel like St. Louis is built to win year after year and that goes back to Doug Armstrong. you call him Army. you've dealt with him throughout the years. What kind of general manager was he like and you know how much time as a player did you get to spend with him?
2: well he he, he got everything I mean he'd be the first guy to tell you Bob Ganey, you know and and Bob when Bob came in and and you listened to Army talk even when even when Army was an assistant and and he and again, Army didn't play the game. Um, you know, and again, today, general managers are different. I mean, their biggest challenge is, you know, how do we, how do we get guys in here and keep it, you know, within the salary cap that I think that's the biggest hurdle, how to, how to tap dance around that and talk to agents and everything else. But, um, but there would be times when army used to be the guy that handed out the plane tickets when we got to the airport, when we were in Minnesota, like he would hand out the tickets. That was the guy he got there early, got tickets and then had to give them to all the players and all the players bitched about where they sit. You know, and then and the older guys are like I'm not sitting in the middle. You now give me, a, you know, this is before private planes and stuff like that. So that was army when he started. And then you know, as the years go by, and and you start talking to the guy, and you're like, wait a second, like that Bob Ganey said that to me 15 years ago when we played together. So he started to kind of take on, uh, you know, he, he's his own guy. So he has his own ideas. But again, look at the team and how they built their club look at how they won the Stanley Cup and it was so similar to the way the teams we had in Montreal, the team that we had in Dallas and you know they 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 what that's why they want a couple more defensemen I mean you look at Bortuzzo, Scandella, Pareko, those guys are all 6'5 plus you know so and, and then you sprinkle in at the time and when they won the cup, they had Petrangelo. So, you know, and then he just got to a point where they couldn't, they couldn't afford him. I mean, it wasn't that they didn't want him back. They couldn't pay him. Army couldn't pay him. And, and so he's at that point now where he's putting that back together and you look at his forward group. I I said, it's the same way that we play. You got your superstar, you got your Madonna and, and that's Tarasenko there. There's your big goal scorer. And, but you've got some young kids on that team, Logan Brown and, and uh, Robert Thomas. And so they've got some skill on that club. And, you know, the Neuendikes and, the, and, and Lettinen. And, you know, Lettinen is O'Reilly to me. He's not a centerman, but let's they would send Lettinen out and they would shut guys down. And so what does he do? He goes to Buffalo. And Paul, as far as Buffalo is concerned, is probably the worst deal of all time. But somehow they get Ryan O'Reilly there. And then that guy just turns out being the Smythe. For the for for the Stanley Cup team and now he's the captain and he's the leader of that group. I don't know when Bob was here and Mr. Hicks said to Bob, hey, what's gonna get us, what's gonna get us past Detroit? How are we gonna get past Detroit so that we can get to the Stanley Cup? What did Bob do? He went and got Brett Hall. You know so Army went out and got Ryan O'Reilly. And then that guy just happens to be the MVP of the playoffs. Brett Hall just happened to score that goal that won the, you know, Stanley cup. Um, You know, so there's some similarities between the teams and then, and then what you have is you have the grunts, you have the other guys, the guys that do a lot of the dirty work that the superstar guys don't like to do, but really understand it. They get it. They know why we're supposed to do this role because it's what's at the end of the rainbow. And, you know, and then what he did is he brought in Marty Brodeur. He brought in Scott Stevens. And he brought guys like this in to the organization as advisors. Al McInnes is there. So he brought, he surround armies, and that's the way teams are, that's the philosophy I believe in, is, you know, you're not going to be the smartest guy in the room. Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are, and they'll look you like, make you look like you're the smartest one. So he brought Bob Ganey in as a consultant. He brought Ken Hitchcock in right now as a coaching consultant. What the hell is a coaching consultant? No idea. If anything, Hitch will drive you nuts, probably. <clears throat> but he's got Hitchcock there. He had Bob Ganey there. Um, like I said, Al McKinnis, Scott Stevens, Marty Broduer. Um, he had Gretz there. So, you know, you look at those. I, I don't know if Messier was there or not, but but he army goes out and he surrounds himself with the best people, smartest people in the game. And he and he just he takes it all in. And at the end of the day, it's his decision. And now, you know, he's a general manager again of, you know, the the Canadian Olympic team. And I don't know where they're going to play, but um, they might might be playing over here in Little Elm in in a month from now. Sure.
1: We'll take them. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And Bill Armstrong um, went on to become the Arizona Coyotes uh, GM. And boy, no relation. No relation. But, I mean, he's made moves that – people don't know about now that could very well pay dividends down the line as far as accepting some contracts in return for high draft picks.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and dollars, I mean, yeah. I've never heard of it until a few years ago where they're, they're picking up players that, that we all thought were retired. I'm like, what? No, no, they're still old, like three years. I'm like, yeah. why didn't you get that guy? Cause they needed to get to the floor of the salary cap. Right. So, you know, but they got draft picks out of it too. Well, yeah, you know what? We're going to, we'll take on the 15 million that, but we're, you know, we're going to take the 15 million on. I want a second round for it. So anyway, I, I didn't even know that was all doable until a few years ago. And so. they
1: might be playing in little Elm next year. Who knows?
2: <laughs> yeah, they could be there. <laughs> no, I, I man, hate that. I mean, I do love you're in Arizona, I love how they went be,
1: back old school.
2: Oh, uh, I'm going like, where, where, where are my kids going to be going to school next year? Like, and you wonder that every two years, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah. I mean, no, it, Doug Armstrong a great has done an unbelievable job. I yeah. just remember in the beginning and then, then all of a sudden he becomes a general manager, assistant general manager, then a general manager. And you're like, really? Because I <laughs> I've said this to other players, like there were times when, when army was up there in the GM office or the assistant GM at the time, you could go up there and even you go up the back steps. And and when Bob was there gaining and you got the word from a train, Hey, Bob wants to talk to you you were ringing wet by the time you got upstairs to talk to him. You were wondering what's going on. He's going to rip me for something. And then if you went up to army's office, you'd go up there, throw your feet up on the desk and say, army, what's going on? You know, one of those kind of things. And I talked to Matt to Chuck and Hatcher about those kind of things, because I remember when we were in Minnesota, like we hung out with army, you know, and like I said, he was, there's another guy in the, in the, upstairs now, and he's worked his way up the ladder too, Dan Stuckel. And so Stukes was doing the tickets. And next thing you know, Stukes was running the TV thing. And now I don't even know what his title is now, but, but those guys, they're great guys. And, but that's why they hire those kind of guys because they, they bring something that you probably are uncomfortable doing, or you're not equipped to do. So, like I said, armies, and that's what Bob did. And that's where I got it from. I mean, Bob, Bob had told me when he would let you ever want to get in this stuff. He goes, you just hire better people than you. And, you know, and and you just take it all in. And at the end of the day, you're the guy that would probably, you know, you, you're you the one that makes that final call. You know, hey, we're trading this guy. Well, a lot of times now with the big money, the owners are usually that one. Hey, like with with Suter and Parisi. Hey, uh, you know, these guys are still owed uh, $40 million and we're going to cut them loose. And we're going to have to pay them for the next 15 years. That's not a decision a GM makes or a president. That's a decision that the owner makes. So, yeah um anyway but no army's done an unbelievable job and i i think that uh I, I would put him in every year i would put him in the top you know two three guys in the league from a general manager standpoint actually he's the president and gm there so and uh anyway he's done a great job obviously stanley cup in st louis and and uh the players that you know he's brought available and just last night is a good example of it you know the great like perspective
1: cool yeah you offered a great perspective on both ott and uh armstrong and that's why i love doing this podcast with you and uh yeah you do make me look smarter so i appreciate that
0: so yeah, well, we were going to ask
1: uh twitter I questions can can but my that. twitter is still restricted craig yeah,
2: you know, yeah. suspicious you gotta, activity you got you gotta you gotta stop surfing that uh, twitter thing for some of the sites that you go to apparently <laughs>
1: I, I have emailed them so many times and say, all I tweet about is hockey. Yeah, they're probably like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, a five hole is between the goalie's legs. You I don't do understand. <sighs> so I don't have a Twitter account right now or it's restricted or blocked, so I can't answer you know, I can't answer tweets. I can't answer hockey questions. I can look on it and I can see what other people are talking about, but I can't respond. I can't direct message. So, unfortunately, we do not have Twitter questions this week. But I will ask you, Craig Ludwig, with COVID picking up and everything, do you feel as though the players should be in the Olympics this year? And throughout your career, did it become a high desire to be part of the Olympics? <laughs> What?
2: You think I was ever on anybody's mind
0: going to a <laughs>
2: <game>? <laughs> I was looking forward to going snowmobiling in that break. Are you kidding me? I got asked one time to go play in the NHL All-Star game because by Pat Burns because Chelly was Chelly got hurt and Burns he came up to me in Montreal and I said, "Dude, I, I think I know the answer to this, but do you want to go play? And I was like, Bernsie, seriously? He goes, yeah, you already got your trip plan. I said, yeah, he goes, okay. I just, and, and it meant a lot that he asked me, he was the coach. That's why. Really? That's why. You turned <clears> down <throat> yeah. an
1: all-star invite?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that was not, uh, you know, and again, but, but anyway, let's move past that. Um <laughs> <was your> <laughs> That's like oh. a huge
1: deal, Craig, that I've never heard from you. That's the NHL all-star game. Yeah. And think about it.
2: Have you seen the all-star game? No, like, I know what? it's
1: awful. I've get it and everything, but I mean, you know, hey, well, then I, I could add to your title NHL all-star. Oh my God. Would that be
2: embarrassing? I, that would be so embarrassing. So <clears throat> anyway, the Olympics, uh, n- no, I, I think that, and I, the, the big, the big roadblock is going to be the whole, if you get it and you got a quarantine in China for three to five weeks and not in a hotel, they're saying in, in a facility, in some facility that they would have to quarantine for three to five weeks. And so again, from an ownership standpoint, which, you know, players want to go, players want to go. But the other thing that comes into play, I think for the players besides, I mean, that's the big one. Um, now that's in when, when are the Olympics, February, February yeah. 3rd, 4th. Yeah, something I don't like know that. if they can
1: pull it off right now, especially with the spike going on.
2: Yeah. But well, think about it. It's, it, and so that goes on for two weeks. So you come back around, I don't know what it is 15th, 17th, 20th of February in a little over a month you have the playoffs right playoffs are getting started or you're going down the playoff stretch but if a player happens to get this thing and they got to spend anywhere between 3 and 5 weeks in china you don't have this guy for the playoff run so and 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 from a player standpoint if you it, uh, again it depends on what news station you listen to this is where it started <laughs> so So do you want to go there and then number one, possibly get stuck there for three to five weeks. So not going to let you come back unless they're going to smuggle you out some way and you can come home and then your family, you know, and bring it back to your family. So I just think that, and, and now with everything going on and it seems like everybody's getting it and it's coming around again. Like it's, it's like, you know, last last year I was driving up to Wisconsin and my chick's sitting next to me and there's this big storm and she goes, look at all the cars pulled over. And I said, yeah, I know. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I've been watching the weather on my phone. I said, there's a tornado up here. And she looked at me and she goes, what? And all of a sudden to the left ahead of us, the tornado's whipping down the side and we were going through Iowa. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I there's, see that pocket ahead of us. Like I can get through that pocket. Because I, I ride my bike all the time, and I, I, I whether I do that kind of stuff, I'm like, here's a pocket. I'm going through that. She goes and she starts screaming. She goes, everybody's pulled over to the side of the road. You and, and little does she know, I'm videotaping her at the time because I'm thinking this would be funny as hell for all my buddies. But she's screaming, and there and it did sound. It sounded like a train was coming down the highway. It's everything that you hear about and read about. It was, but that to me is what's going on with the Olympics right now. They're heading right into a tornado. They're heading into a to a. a a cat five storm in, in, in the Atlantic. And, you know, they're hoping they come out on the other side of it. Fine. And the other, and the other stuff that goes with it, which they didn't care about, they obviously they didn't care because they were going ahead with this and they're agreeing to go prior to this stuff is there's no fans. Again, there's nobody in the buildings. They're going to be in their own rooms and all this other stuff is what I understand. And now probably for sure, if they go, so I don't know what the upside is for for these guys. Yeah. Um, you not, know, to, man, not guys... to mention
1: the time change, so it's going to be very tough to watch the games.
2: <laughs> well, I think that's the least of the world. Well, I know I get
1: it, but I mean I'm saying like you know, for me, I think it, in the past it was a great promotion for the NHL to to see some of. I mean, the TJ Oshi will always be a great memory for me, um, and obviously the Miracle on Ice in 1980. So I mean, those are great memories, but I just don't think it's worth it at this point. I d- I don't know why so many players want to play. Uh, I know they have limited opportunities, but man, you know you got to think man, of the league and, and the and health. And you know of they league.
2: don't get obviously they don't get they don't get paid during that time, right? So they're not getting paid. And what happens? And then what I heard the other day, I, I'm pretty sure this is what they said: if they get hung up there for three to five weeks or whatever it may be, they're not getting they're not getting their NHL salary either.
1: Right. They have they have agreed on an insurance policy if the player or a player got injured. injured. However, what if multiple players get injured? There's not going to be enough money to cover those players.
2: Well, there's just, I, I don't know. I just think that I think something's going to have to dramatically and miraculously go away in, in, you know, all the, people getting COVID or whatever this thing's called, the, the new one's called, and that's going to have to go away and there's going to be have to be an all clear, we're fine, or they're going to have to say, here's the deal. We have got a private plane. We we found two retarded, I don't mean retarded, I mean dumb pilots that are willing to fly back uh, anybody that has COVID on the plane that they're going to be on. So we're going to put you in a cigar tube. We're okay if you guys have covid and we're going to fly you back to the united states and then you can go ahead and do your quarantine there i don't i don't know if that would happen yeah but the, so they can guarantee them that they're not going to be and now doesn't i i would assume that the chinese government or whatever whoever runs that country there they're going to have to give that kind of uh permission to these players to say yeah you don't do not have to quarantine if you get it here and. And, and the one thing is, China has a, a team in the Olympics this year, a hockey team in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So maybe they will go as far as saying, "Listen, we got a we got a team in there." Man, I don't know how they're going to do. Actually, Chelly's kid's going to play on that team. Chris oh. Chelios says Jake's going to play on that. He's over in China right now. Oh, that's on, awesome. On some team, and so uh, I think it's Jake. Yeah, Jake is playing that. But anyway, I think they would have to have some kind of get out of you know jail free card. That if we get it, you know, we're going to fly you guys back. And who's paying for that? Right. The NHL, NHL doesn't want them there. NHL do not want the players going. Yeah. And, but it's out of their hands. This is totally up to the players. And I know that Connor McDavid the other day had said that he had serious concerns about the three to five week thing. And so when you've got the best player in the game, putting that out there publicly, you know, that they're starting to, you know, Seriously, think about should they go or not. Yeah. So
1: we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Spits and Suds. Great, this was a good one, man. Thank you. Got some great firsthand perspective from you.
2: Well, it's too bad nobody's going to hear about it.
1: <laughs> People, uh, for those listening, spread the word. There's a podcast here in Dallas, Fort Worth that talks stars hockey, that talks NHL hockey, that's not involved with the club. It's just our opinion. So there you go. Happy holidays, my friend. All right, same to you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan.